0: Welcome to Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Steven Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The other day, I was driving a familiar route in my neighborhood when I turned down a street that I turned down all the time, and noticed something that just stopped me dead. It was right after that powerful rain we had just a few days ago. And the middle of the block was basically a lake. The water all over the street. And it was impassable. I mean, I wasn't going to be able to keep going that way. But the feeling I had when I saw it, and it's been a while since we've had that kind of rain, since last summer, it was the same feeling you get I think if you see a pair of headlights streaming toward you, my palms started sweating. The hair on the back of my neck was standing up. I was anxious and I was scared. It was a reminder of all of the storms and the flooding and the awful consequences of climate change that we experienced right here in Southeast Michigan last summer over and over and over again. Climate change is scary. The fires, the floods, the droughts, destruction, all of this stuff that is wrecking people's physical lives and straining our emotional well-being, it's, it's really just devastating. Just watching it, just seeing a reminder of it can turn your insides out. What's hard to negotiate is that our daily actions are intimately part of this destruction. Every time we turn on the lights or drive our cars, eat our food, we're a part of the processes that are warming the climate, thereby slowly making the earth uninhabitable for more and more of us. And while most of us, I think, rationalize their way out of these thoughts or out of actions that would counter those realizations. There are some people who get really emboldened by them. Think of the Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg, no no matter what you think of her, but think about the reaction that she's had to all of this. She fell into a depression after realizing the consequences of climate change and the fact that adults around her, weren't doing enough to fight it. Still others become paralyzed by climate anxiety. They're unable to feel comfortable moving about in their days, unable to hold small talk without mentioning the most recent climate catastrophe. I think all of us are asking what we should be doing with these feelings. How do we manage feeling like the world is on our shoulders, kind of crumbling around us, and that we aren't doing enough? That's where we want to begin the conversation today. How do you feel about climate change? Do you see signs of it and get anxious? Do you see signs of it and get scared like I did the other day? Do you wonder what your role is? In causing climate change, and even more, what your role should be in fighting climate change. Ash Sanders is an award winning writer, journalist, and podcast host who has written a lot about this uh, and written recently in a piece titled Under the Weather. She's here today to help us think through some of these feelings some of these anxieties, some of these calls to action that we just don't quite know what to do with. Ash Sanders, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Hi, it's good to be here.
0: So you wrote Under the Weather asking the question, is eco-anxiety about an individual being sick or is it a sickness in society? So I wonder if you've come up With an answer to that question
1: yeah it's a big question um yeah so i started asking that question because it was very personally important to me uh i was somebody who uh learned about climate change as a young person in college as many of us you know do and uh it hit me much harder than i think it hit a lot of my peers and it became something that I, I couldn't get out of my mind or out of my body. I became obsessed with thinking about it. It showed up in everything that I did, what I ate, you know, how I got around, um, what I thought I needed to do with my life. And I was trying to figure out why it hit me so much harder than the people around me when I was thinking to myself, this is about the future of the entire planet and all the beings that live on it, this should be at the forefront of everybody's mind. Mm. And I started going to, you know, therapists and talking to friends and saying, you know, being chicken little, but with the fact and saying the sky is falling. And I kept getting sort of diagnosed people saying, oh, well, you probably have depression or you probably have anxiety or you're probably catastrophizing. And I just, knew this wasn't true i felt that i was looking at the situation accurately and that the situation itself was dire not that my response was catastrophic and over time this led to all the research that i did that eventually led to the article that i wrote um and sort of found the others and found not only a sort of community of activists and organizers who felt the same way i did and who are working to solve the crisis at the level the crisis demanded but also uh a lot of therapists, a lot of philosophers and thinkers who could talk about what was happening to me and so many other people. And I think increasingly now that the impacts of climate change are more and more obvious to more and more people, especially affluent, comfortable people mm-hmm. uh, like myself and many other people who uh, who are seeing the impacts now, um, you know, that that there is that this that the situation is dire, and that what was going on in this gap that I was noticing, is some pretty, you know, basic stuff that happens when we face really scary things that we go into places of denial, we go into fear, and we want something to be different. And so that we pretend that it is. So I think what happens a lot, what what I've come down to is that Yes, the world is deeply sick. Um, We are destroying the one planet that we have to live on. That is a terrifying prospect. Many of us don't feel like we have any control over that process process or prospect. And so uh, we revert to uh, the belief that it's not happening. But that doesn't make it go away. So there's a lot of background noise, a lot of disease, a lot of unease, a lot of discomfort, a lot of sadness that's not being expressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think most of the time, yeah, it is real pain that is being misdiagnosed as something that's wrong with the person rather than something that's wrong with the way the world is working. Mm.
0: So so in the open, I talked about this moment the other day where I turned down a street, I turned down all the time in my own neighborhood and saw that it was flooded in the middle after a, a pretty brief rainstorm and that it brought back memories for me of last summer when we endured uh, these these kind of storms several times in Southeast Michigan, and they did a lot of damage uh, to people's homes, uh, to the infrastructure, things like that, and and I had that that uh, feeling you have when you see a familiar sign of past trauma, and maybe trauma is uh, a, a bit of a, an exaggeration, but but when you see something that that scares you, I mean, it was it was not any different f- for me in that moment, and, and I wonder if because you're someone who's found a community of climate activists and a community of people who've figured out that they want to and need to push back and and do things differently and convince others to do the same, I, I wonder if that makes you feel better than I felt uh, in that moment. In other words, the the, the satisfaction of knowing that hey i am doing at least what i think should be my part to 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 turn things in a in a different direction i wonder if there is that i don't know are you getting a a sense of relief maybe from doing that that could be an incentive for those of us who really aren't finding the way to to do things differently
1: hmm yeah, that story makes me think of two different things um, that I think can, can help with overwhelming feelings of fear or whatever else might come up around these climate um, moments. Um, one is that um, it, when you're feeling an overwhelming emotion, especially a negative emotion, you need a place to talk about it. And I think Um, It's really difficult to know where and how to talk about any political emotion, especially a climate related emotion. So if you could, you know, if that were a situation where you had a negative experience at work, or you had a breakup, something that, you know, elicited a a negative emotion that people understand, where there's sort of a template of how to talk about it, you could have come home or talked to a friend and said, this was really hard for me. But because it's This climate-related emotion, often there aren't a lot of places to talk about it. So I think the first thing is we need places, like designated spaces, to talk about climate-related grief or fear, um, to to help each other know that we're not alone in this. So I think that's one of the first things I think can be very empowering. And there are a lot of spaces that people are creating um, for that exact purpose. There are climate conversations, climate cafes, There's a group called um, Good Grief, um, all sorts of places where people can talk about the emotions that come up. There are containers for this political grief. The second big thing is that a lot of people have done research about the fact that if you if your brain does not think you can solve a problem or do anything about it, it's much more likely to repress or or sort of go into a place of helplessness about it. But if it thinks it can do something about it, it's much more likely to allow you to feel the emotion. So I think, um, you know, the powers that be, the world isn't, the world isn't the way it is accidentally, right? There are major fossil fuel corporations and people in our government that have created a world that tells us we can do nothing about the climate crisis, especially that we can do nothing collectively about the climate crisis we can recycle and we can take all the problems onto ourselves and try to be pure in our individual lives but no collective action and i think one of the most powerful things that we can do is find groups of people that are working on a political level to actually uh change the structures that create a world that's heading towards you know absolute crisis and i have found that that leads to uh, profound feelings of empowerment for me that then helps me to process my emotions. I will make one caveat, which is that work can also lead to burnout if you don't have a way to continue to process these emotions. So I do believe that to make it through this time, you need some sort of emotional or therapeutic or even spiritual practice to um, process the emotions that come up um, with other people uh, in a safe way, because It's going to bring up a lot of emotions, and it can can happen that people will throw those emotions into the work, and that can lead to burnout. So I will just say that. Mm -hmm. But in general, I think it can be a profoundly empowering process to not just do work on your own, but to do collective political work that leads to change. Mm
0: -hmm. I'm talking with Ash Sanders, an award-winning writer, journalist, and podcast host of Unfinished. Short Creek, which tells the story of two very different communities that live across the border from one another. We're talking uh, about a piece uh, she has written about uh, eco-anxiety titled Under the Weather. We're talking about the emotional effects really of the climate change that we're all experiencing right now the things that uh, are going quite differently with weather the consequences uh, of that weather and the way it makes us feel the way it makes us feel insecure or scared and what you do with those feelings how do you kind of uh, figure a way to not be part of the problem not be part of what's warming the planet and uh, try to, try to uh, do things differently and convince other people that we need to do things differently. Uh, we want to hear from you as well during this conversation. Uh, are you anxious or are you depressed when you think about climate change? Are there moments when you experience something that's an obvious consequence of climate change where you're actually afraid, afraid not just in the moment, Uh, but about the entire space that we live in together on this planet, Uh, this entire idea of a warming planet that is changing so quickly around us. Uh, Have you tried taking more action against climate change to try to make those feelings go away or maybe be less intense? Uh, Or are you struggling to find a a way to be part of uh, the anti-climate change uh, activism that's happening all over the planet. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you in the conversation that way. I want to read a couple of Uh, Social media comments, Uh, Zoe on Twitter says, I might feel better if others seem to care. What's the point of me doing what I can do to limit climate change when those around me continue to drive gas guzzlers, consume single-use plastic constantly, and vote for politicians who won't even acknowledge the issue? Uh, Big Neo on Twitter says, I have anger and frustration toward corporations and the government entities that are on their payrolls. They are more concerned about making money versus keeping the planet in good order. Um, let's quickly go to Jim in Southfield on the phones. Jim, welcome to the show. Good
2: morning. Hey. Um, very appropriate topic. Um, we are in very dangerous times. Yes, there's, you know, bravery is just controlling fear. And when you're depressed, when you're, if, if you're, and this, the news is constant, you know, shells rolling off the, uh, Antarctic um, record heat on the Antarctic just this last week Um, it's if you're not if you let yourself you can just curl up in a ball and if not the only other solution to me is getting together with like-minded people and taking action that's what I've always done I'm an old dude now so I mean I've been doing this for 40 years before climate change was really a thing it was just all the other things that were going on that, you know, polluting. Uh, I've lived in Florida, California, Maine. It's, it's There's impacts everywhere. And it's been 40 years, really, when, you know, remember, Reagan came into office and replaced the solar panels on the roof of the White House because. And ever since the Republicans, whenever a, an environmental mm-hmm. issue comes up, their knee-jerk reaction is no. Mm-hmm. And it's been that way for. It's been drilling it into their voters for decades. The the industry has been doing it. Ex, uh, Enron, I'm sorry, Exxon knew, knew in the 70s that this was coming, and their immediate reaction was to hide it and attack anybody who made the claim. So if, if we're not taking action, we're falling backwards. And this isn't anger. This isn't guns. This isn't violence. This is just people talking to people about reality and convincing them and – one of the things I do, I mean, when I got solar panels, when I got an electric car, I talk to people and talk about how much money I'm saving. And when you do that, that's going to bring their side, too. And mm-hmm. you can't argue against the savings.
0: Yeah. yeah. J- Jim, love love <laughs> almost everything you said there. Uh, I, this is such a great perspective on uh, what's happening and, and, and kind of where we are with all of that. I really appreciate the call uh, and your thoughts. Uh, okay, next we are going to come back with more conversation about eco anxiety, all the feelings that we have about climate change. We're going to keep Ash Sanders with us and we're going to add another voice to the conversation. Susan Clayton, who's a professor of psychology and environmental studies at the College of Worcester is going to join us to talk more about our emotional state uh, around all of these things. We're also going to continue to hear from you on social media and on the phones, Amanda in Royal Oak, Sharon in Birmingham. We'll get to you next. If you want to join them on the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Hey right, today on 101.9 WDET, from Steven Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The other day when it was raining, did you think about all the rain and the storms that we had last summer, all the flooding that destroyed people's homes and basements, that collapsed infrastructure, overwhelmed the entire region? How did you feel when that happened? Did you see something that really made you not just anxious, but maybe scared about what might be coming this year? It's spring. How much more rain are we going to get even before summer? This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking this hour about eco-anxiety the idea that some of us are a little emotionally overwhelmed by the things that are happening as a result of climate change and unsure of what to do about it. we got two great guests with us. Ash Sanders is an award-winning writer, journalist, and podcast host of Unfinished Short Creek, which tells the story of two very different communities that live across the border from one another. Uh, She also wrote a piece recently titled Under the Weather, uh, I want to add another voice to the conversation as well. Susan Clayton is a professor of psychology and environmental studies at the College of Worcester. Susan Clayton, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Uh, thanks so much for uh, asking me to join this conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. So also you can uh, join us for this conversation. We want to hear what your reactions are to climate change and the consequences uh, of course 313 1019 is the number here on the phones that's 313 1019 you can also go to social media to facebook or twitter where you can hashtag us and uh, we can include you in the conversation that way uh, susan i, I want to have you talk just a little bit about how you came to study the intersection of psychology and our environment. I think it's something that a lot of us have been dealing with, but maybe not quite thinking about in, in explicit terms.
3: Sure. Well, I've been interested in sort of the psychology of environmental issues for a long time, but I mostly thought about people's attitudes and how people came to have opinions about environmental issues but the more I listened to people, the more I started hearing them really express very powerful emotions. And then I started to look into what the literature, you know, what the pre-existing research was saying about people's reactions and found that we have lots of evidence to to be concerned about the mental health impacts associated with these environmental changes.
0: And what are the signs that people... Are experiencing anxiety because of climate change. I began the show with a, a story about uh, an experience I had the other day, where I saw a flooded street in my neighborhood for the first time since last year, when last summer, when this happened over and over uh, in our in our community, and and the way it made me feel the the the, the similarity to you know circumstances. Uh, where where I'm afraid of something, where something triggers uh, a, a bad a bad memory. Um, talk about the way that that all of us, I guess, are kind of experiencing those things and what those emotions look like.
3: Absolutely. Well, we know that around certainly around the U.S. and around the world, the majority of people are worried about climate change and. Uh, Uh, worried about the ways in which it will affect them personally. But let me say a little bit about anxiety. Anxiety is a reasonable response to a threat. So anxiety can be a good thing if it kind of makes you pay attention to a problem and think about how you're going to respond to it. But for some people, the anxiety becomes too powerful and overwhelming and it essentially can, um, the emotions can be too strong or it can, paralyze you and make it uh, very difficult to act. So I would say climate anxiety becomes something you should start to worry about if it's interfering with your ability to live your life in some way. Maybe you're having trouble sleeping or you don't feel like going out and enjoying yourself with friends or you're having a hard time concentrating uh, at school or at work. That's when you really um, might want to, to think about getting help or, or coping with your climate anxiety in some way
0: and and what does that help look like what does coping look like what do you tell people or your students uh, about how to how to deal with climate anxiety
3: absolutely it depends on the level that a particular person is experiencing uh, at some sense so for people whose emotions are very very powerful they might just need to deal with those emotions right away. And that might mean stepping back, taking a break, um, not looking at the news or at social media, um, engaging in deep breathing, going for walks, spending time in nature, all of those, just to help you get on top of these unpleasant emotions. But for a longer term response, I think it can be very helpful to, to think of three things. One is to get some accurate information Because anxiety is in some sense tied to our uncertainty about climate change and the impacts of climate change. And because it's intrinsically uncertain, we can't completely know what's going to happen, but sometimes people's perceptions can be unrealistic. So getting a little bit more accurate information about what it might look like in Detroit in the next 10 years, for example, that can help make you feel a bit more in control of the situation. Mm.
4: Yeah. Um,
3: okay. A second thing that is really important is to find some people who will sympathize with it and perhaps share your concerns, because we all want to feel some validation. We don't want to think we're the only person who's having this response. So finding those communities can be a really um, important way of getting on top of uh, of the climate anxiety. And then a third um, it can be very useful to actually find some way to take action. And that can be whatever's comfortable for a person. It might mean uh, political activism or trying to organize something in their community or simply to get their own household more prepared to deal with the kinds of, uh, uh, of extreme events they might be facing. But taking action, again, can help us to feel that we are actively responding to situation as just as opposed to just being passively affected by it. And that can be associated with better mental health.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we have more social media comments I want to read. Jim, Jimmy on Twitter says, uh, in answer to the question, how you're feeling about the future of climate, he says, you know, that moment where Wily Coyote is still running off the same level as the cliff, but has yet to look down. That's a pretty dire image uh, darlene on twitter says it's frustrating to see the world burn flood and blow away in storms while our leaders fail to address climate change in any meaningful way i have feelings of grief for us as a species but also disdain for our greed making our own extinction seem appropriate and even even darker prognosis from uh, darlene there anthony on twitter writes uh, anxieties are ripe for the picking advertisers and marketers. Proceed with caution. Uh, Let's go back to the phones. And again, you can join us at 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Let's go to Amanda in Royal Oak. Amanda, welcome to the show.
5: Hey, um, I'm a big fan. So thanks for having me on. I uh, was just listening this morning and I heard the conversation and I was like, oh, I have to call in because I am... um, from royal oak and i'm a member of the we have a like a community group called the royal oak environmental advisory board and we currently just um released our sustainability um plan for the for the city of royal oak um and it was released actually it opened today for public comment so um i just thought we could we could talk about that for a second because mm-hmm. with what your guests are saying you know anxiety and mental health obviously those are true things and i'm um that need to be dealt with but I think um, what your guest just mentioned was that third component of what you can do and taking action I think is uh, is something that people can do and I think you people might not realize that like their neighbors I mean if there's not something started already in their community there is an, uh, you start something I mean but I bet you if they look there is something happening there's a group or something that people can join to get active and I think that helps with that anxiety that people are
0: feeling yeah yeah, uh, Amanda, really appreciate the call and the uh, and the information about what's going on there in Royal Oak. Uh, Ash Sanders, I want to give you a chance to respond to, to Amanda. This is, I think, very much in the in the space that you're not only talking about but 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 also operating.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's a great point. And one thing that I've been thinking about um, throughout this conversation is we often focus on uh, only the very difficult climate emotions. And I think that's really, really important. And there should be a space for all of them. Um, but one thing that I think is really important is one of the climate emotions is love. Um, and I think that the, the grief that we feel is motivated by, by things that we love being lost or harmed. And so one thing that I try to encourage in myself and in other people is pick something that you love. What do you love, you know, in your home state? What is something you care about? And I think that that motivates you to fight, to care, to stand up. So many times the conversation around climate is so tactical and strategic, like, why fight if we're not going to win? And that can lead to fatalism and cynicism. But uh, I, I have a poet friend who is fighting for a lake in where I come from in Utah, the Great Salt Lake, which is dying because of drought and um, water diversions and uh, the like. And she says, you know, I don't think about this in terms of can we win for sure. I think of this as when someone you love is dying, you sit with them and I'm sitting with this lake. And I think that that, you know, what the caller is describing is, you know, people care about this place where you live and they're fighting for it. And they want to win and they want to succeed, but they're fighting because they care. So one of the climate emotions is love. And we fight for what we love and we fight best when we're fighting for what we love. So I would encourage people to think in that way. And I think that that can be a very empowering thing that is more sustainable than acting maybe out of fear alone. Mm
0: -hmm. And Susan Clayton, this idea of finding community, I think, which is one of the things that Ash Sanders is is getting at here, finding the community where you feel comfortable and where you feel apart um in, in in order to push back against these these emotions uh, th- that's something that that I think uh, applies not only to something like climate anxiety I mean that's something we're kind of borrowing from from other realms of psychology that that when you feel uh like you've found uh, commonality i guess with others about about something that that helps us feel better about uh, the anxieties that we have
3: absolutely we all need to have community and there's uh, it's a very important source of support for our mental health and in fact our physical health, and I want to um, to comment on um, some of what your Twitter respondent said, which is that part of the the difficulty with climate change is feeling that some people are responding so irrationally. It's a frustration at the lack of response from others, in part. So finding a community of people who are responding and just appreciating what's bringing them together, I think is very important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Again, Amanda, really appreciate the call and the comments. Let's go next to Sharon in Birmingham. Sharon, welcome to the show.
6: Thank you for welcoming into this conversation, Stephen. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to add that I am a sustaining member and I encourage all listeners this morning to join me in uh, supporting WDET radio. Um, But with respect to the current conversation, um, Ms. Sanders and Amanda have brought up some excellent points. I myself am recognizing that, you know, I can be members of a group that um, addresses environmental issues and climate change but I also need to act locally. Hmm. So I've taken action on multiple levels. I um, do not fertilize my grass. I don't use pesticides in my garden. I would say about 25% of my um, yard is devoted to native plants from the state of Michigan um, that require less water, no fertilization. Um, I, I am very careful about um, composting all of our um, vegetative debris from, you know, home uh, food preparation as well as from the garden. And we recently had solar panels and a backup battery um, installed on, yeah. at our home, um, recognizing that we need to decrease our carbon emissions. Yeah. Um, And as our cars age out, we plan to convert um, our automobiles to um, electric vehicles or perhaps hybrid vehicles because we do travel long distances. So, you know, there's so many ways that you can take action to help allay your anxiety. You don't have to be immobilized by it. Right. You
0: can do something, and and Sharon, what what I like about what you're, what you're referring to here is, um, I, I mean, maybe you would call yourself a climate activist, but but I, I I guess I would say that the things that you're describing, are much more about uh, you know altering your lifestyle, I guess, to to respect. The idea that um, that the things we do contribute to, uh, to 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 climate change, and that's something that you can do whether you're a, a, an activist or not. I mean, you you don't have to, to to be doing big things or things in concert with with others to to change policy or or uh, or, or, or politics. That that just Planting things in the garden or recycling or putting solar panels up or backup batteries, these things actually matter. Sharon, I really appreciate the call and uh, and the comments. Uh, thanks again for, for being part of the program. Let's go to Tina and Troy next. Tina, what's on your mind?
1: Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me on. Uh-huh. Um, I just wanted to comment on this um, because it is an important point, Um I'm a longtime environmental activist. Um, I'm an organizer for um, an environmental group here in Michigan. Um, And we do a lot in, you know, basically bringing volunteers together and giving them ways to take action on good climate legislation and things like that. Um, But one point that we often drive home uh, with our volunteers is the education portion, Um, educating yourselves so that you can educate others so that way you can be um, so that way you can be sort of like a leader in mm-hmm. your environmental community. And by sharing that information and letting folks know how they can take action, I feel like that's really impactful in this day and age as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tina, uh, I really appreciate uh, your call and, and your thoughts as well. Let's go to Joe in Rochester Hills. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey,
4: Stephen. Hey. Good morning. Uh-huh. Uh, great, Great topic. Um, yeah, my my curiosity on this on this topic is: um, um, has anyone engaged the oil industry in the discussions around mental health and climate change? Um, have they participated? Uh, has anyone asked? Because in, in all the discussions that I've heard around climate change and, and this topic as well, they're never involved.
0: <laughs> hmm. I mean, what what would you think that involvement might look like, Joe? What what would you want to see them do?
4: Well, I, I number one, I'd like to have them acknowledge uh, that they're a, a huge, if not the most mm-hmm. uh, large, you know, part of the problem. Um, and uh, do they have any in, any uh, plan? Um, I mean, uh, you know, are they do they even acknowledge there's a mental health component to climate change?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you
4: know that sort of thing. I just and, and they're never involved in any of the discussions ever that I know of, anyway.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, the um, uh, Joe, I, I think it's a great question. Um, I'm going to put it to Ash Sanders. Uh, we, we've only got about a minute left, Ash, but but respond to what Joe's talking about here.
1: I mean, I think that in that question, you have to distinguish between the people who work for. Um, these big fossil fuel corporations and the people who are the CEOs, the CEOs have had decades and decades and decades to um, own and take accountability for the incredible amounts of damage they have done. And they have not only refused to do that, they have increased their profits at the expense of the entire planet. So I think for them, the uh, process is absolutely has to be about accountability. I do think for the people who work under them, The amount of cognitive dissonance that a person has to have um, having those jobs, I think it would be probably a profound process to allow people to talk about that. Um, We're all trapped in jobs that um, in many ways uh, are directly antithetical to the survival of the planet. I think those conversations had honestly would be very emotional and necessary to have to figure out how to build a better world. So I would be interested in that. Um, cool. I do think that the actual CEOs um, have, that they need to be accountable not yeah. for what they've done.
0: Yeah. Okay, Ash Sanders and Susan Clayton, it was great to have both of you here with us uh, for this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us on Detroit Today.
3: Thank you.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Thank you.
0: That's going to do it for us this week. Come back Monday when we're going to talk about how strong Internet access actually helped people protect against COVID. This is 1019 WDETFM, your NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday.